Well, you've made it. Yeah, yeah, you've made it. Some, for some, it's a, it's a sprint to get to this point. For others, it's not so hard anymore. Uh, but some of you still have some things to put together, I'm sure, when you go back home. Last few weeks, we've been talking about the God with us, the God with us. God promised that there would be one who would be given to us to be with us. Listen, listen. From Isaiah 7, 14, the prophet wrote, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and, and will call him Emmanuel. Did you know that there's just a bit of time between the prophecy and the promise? There's just a, a little bit of time. Uh, there was 700 years of time between the prophecy and the promise. And in that 700 years, there was a, a span of time that, uh, that was called uh, the, the years of silence. 400 years of silence where no one, it is said, heard from God or God spoke to them during that time. I mean, can you imagine 400 years of silence from the very one you want to hear from, the very one in which you have been told to wait and great expectation from. Uh, Maybe you have been given the silence treatment Uh, silent treatment, but uh, probably 400 years was not the span of time. One, we don't generally live that long. Yet even, even that, though there was 700 years of time, there were those who were keeping vigil. They they were wanting and watching and anticipating and expecting that God would send his promise, his promise for Israel and, yes, the promise for the whole world. Yet the individuals in the nativity story, this narrative we read, this wonder-filled hope, story of hope and help for all mankind, the great news of great joy, we're waiting, we're ready. Well, okay, not all were ready, right? I mean, not all were waiting, not all were wanting uh, that that storm, Herod, we talked about last week. But the rest that were part of the narrative, they were willing, they were desirous, they were wanting, uh, just like you may be this evening, just that desire to wake up on Christmas morning and have that feeling, that refreshment, that realignment of heart and life. In fact, in the narrative story, they broke out in prophetic song and praised the promised and, and, the, and just spoke of the reality of heaven indwelling earth for the very first time in this way. Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, Joseph, lowly shepherds, Simeon, Anna, and yes, even the traveling magi from the east. I mean, Matthew writes this. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Verse 22 says, and all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
God with us. Heaven to earth in breaking of the divine. Luke writes it this way, and do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in a town, a town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. And you will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. So that so the shepherds hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who is lying in the manger. They saw the baby. He dwelt. Among them, these lowly shepherds were witness to the heavenly entourage, believed and went to see the king in the crib. John writes, dipping his pen into the creative narrative, if you're familiar with it, says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen the glory, his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. We have these witness writings of those who were there, scrutinized, and testify through all of time that the baby was born, uh, willing and favored, but to quite unsuspecting parents. Mary, mother, his mother Mary, and yes, his earthly father Joseph. Yet, I wonder, have we ever kind of thought and imagined what could have been the conversation behind the divine? behind the veil of the divine with the three, uh, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, will you allow me to dip my pen and a little bit of imagination into this direction? Will you travel there with me? Uh, God the Father says, hey, hey, Jesus, I have a mission should you choose to accept it. I'm going to send you to earth to fulfill my perfect will to be, my, to be a sacrifice for the sin, for forgiveness of sins for the whole world. And Jesus, I've chosen just the woman to be your mother. You're going to love her. Yep, I know there's going to be scrutiny. She's a, maybe a little bit younger than most people would understand, but she is devoted. She is favored, to, devoted to our will and favored by me. Her name, Mary. And as I said, she loves us very much. She's pure in every way, not like the other girls who play spin the bottle and truth or dare all the time. She is pure, she is a virgin, and she's going to be an amazing mom. I've chosen for you an earthly dad too, Jesus. I will always be your heavenly father, but your earthly father's name will be Joseph. He's a good man. But to be really honest, Mary's going to get most of the playtime. It's just the way it's going to happen. Now, Jesus, when you go to earth, you have to remember, huh, I'm, you're, if you're going to be born to a virgin, you're going to have to be, uh, if you're going to be born to a virgin, you're going to have to be born of a virgin. In other words, you're going to spend nine months in Mary's womb before she, well, yeah, pushes you out into the cruel, cold world. Nine months? Can you imagine can't we just consider the stork thing? God laughs. Jesus is joking, obviously. You, he says, just to be really clear, you have to be born of a virgin because you're not going to have, because you're not going to have an earthly father because you will not inherit the sin nature of everyone else. But you're still born of a woman. Therefore, you are all man but you're all divine. 
you will be that. Oh, okay, I understand. Now, when you're born, you need to understand this. You're going to be born into a very common place. Most people expect, would expect you to be born into a palace, but because you're the son of God, I have selected a, a nice cave for you to uh, be born into alongside some animals. It's just a beautiful place. Jesus smiles and says, I get it. Because we're going to let everybody know, right, Dad? That I've not come for the rich and powerful, but I've come for everybody. In fact, I've come for the common person, more likely the faithless, the depressed, the downtrodden. God says, exactly, Jesus. Now, when you're born, Jesus, from day number one, you need to realize well, even before you're born, that every demon in hell is going to hate you. And your whole life, they will be coming after you to destroy you. If the first time you're going to see this is even before you're walking. Uh, King Herod is going to issue a command that all the boys under age two will be murdered because he's trying to find you. You, the Messiah, the Son of God. And then after that, you're going to escape and run to Egypt because they're after you. And if you, if you don't get out of town, you will be in danger. Your life is in danger. God goes on to tell him this, that you're going you're gonna to have supernatural powers, Jesus. All power in heaven and on earth is yours. So when your mom and dad try to give you a bath, don't part the waters to make it dry. Dad feeds you broccoli, don't, take, don't change it into a cake. Just, just save it for other times. Yeah. When you grow up, I've chosen for you to be a carpenter just like your earthly dad. You're not going to make a lot of money but you're going to find fulfillment in helping people. You'll be good at it. But those people in your hometown, they won't respect you. They're not going to understand. But Jesus, the very, the very work that you will do is the very work that will end your life. The, not only the stone masonry, but the wood because one day, you will die on a cross. Jesus, you're going to do some real miracles. You're going to open the blind eyes. You're going to heal deaf ears. You're going to make people walk. And yes, you're going to raise the dead. But they're still, they're still going to hate you. They're going to call you crazy. They may, even may say that you're drunk and kind of a wild man. But what I want you to do is I want you to reach out to those who are, well, downtrodden, those who are on the fringes, the prostitutes, the lepers, those who others will not touch or even cast their eye on. I want you to continue to love, to show them who I am, Jesus, my heart and my love that has been after them all this time. The devil is going to attack at every turn. He's going to uh, seek you when you've been, well, after 40 days in the desert, he's going to come after you. 
And you have to fight back, not with your own power and your own might, your own words, but what has already been written, what we've already given to them. Because they're going to, this one, this devil, he's going to ask you to change stones into bread. And so Jesus, what's your response going to be? Ah, uh, Jesus, I, I know, I know. I'll tell the devil that it is written, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's his father says, oh, that's great, Jesus. What if the t- devil tells you to throw yourself off a mountain to test and to see if the angels will protect you? Oh, uh, that's easy. I'll tell the devil it is written. You, thou shalt not put the Lord to the test. And God smiles and says, oh, that is wonderful, son. That's good. But what if the devil throws a big one at you and says, I'll give you all the riches of the world. All you have, all you have to do is worship me. Dad, I got this. I'll look at him and say, get away from me, for it is written to worship the Lord your God only. God says, that's exactly right. Jesus, I just want you to continue to stand strong. You're gonna have friends. In fact, you're gonna have 12 men that you're gonna invest your life in over a period of time. These are gonna be your disciples. And they're gonna be loyal to you and love you back, but until they, until they don't anymore. In fact, Peter You'll find out about him. He's the boldest and the loudest. He's going to tell you that he's always going to be beside you, but he's going to deny you in front of an eight-year-old girl and tell that girl that he never knew you. And you know what, Jesus? That's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. When you're serving, uh, when, you, when you serve Passover, you're going to, out of that, create something known as our supper. They're going to call it the Lord's Supper. You'll break bread and you'll pour the cup. And that represent what will happen to your body. And the blood will be spilled and you'll share, the, share with those, that, so with those uh, that are closest to you. In fact, you'll share it with a man named Judas who's spent these three years with you, but hours after sharing this very intimate supper with him, he will betray you for a few pieces of silver and hand you over to your enemies. He'll betray you with a kiss on your cheek. But Jesus, I just want to tell you something. Keep loving. God looks at him and says, son, I want you to pay pay careful attention that it's only gonna go from bad to even worse. In the garden of Gethsemane, you're gonna see what's coming to you and you're going to know. You're gonna become so overwhelmed that you're going to ask, Dad, is there any other way that this, this can come about? Is there any other way that can take on the mission? And I'm telling you now, you, you have to lean in you have to be obedient to what we've already planned and do what already has been done because the pain because of the pain you will literally sweat blood from your brow they will arrest you and they're going to beat you they're going to hurt you like no one else has hurt you before physically in fact as scripture has already said and we already know you'll be unrecognizable as a human They'll whip you again and again and again. They'll throw you down on an instrument known as the cross. We spoke of that before, Jesus. And stretch your right arm out and they'll drive a stake through your wrist. And they'll stretch your left arm out and do the very same thing through your feet. 
And then they'll stand you up on the cross and humiliate you in front of the very people in which you have come to love and to lead. They'll mock you and spit in your face. They'll say uh, demoralizing things. And because of who you are and because of who I am, you're going to ask me to have mercy on them, to forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. Jesus, I'm just telling you to press on. At any moment, you could call the legions of angels to lift you off that cross, but I'm asking you to press on until you say it is finished. Every step of the way, I will be with you. I will be with you. I will never leave you until you have become sin to take away the sins and to die for the sins of the world. Remember, you are the innocent sacrifice for the ones who are guilty. You have become sin for them and all the physical pain that you have endured up to that point will pale in comparison to the moment I withdraw myself from you. And you will cry out, Dad, Dad, why? Why would you turn away from me right now? And remember, Jesus, I cannot look at sin. Cry out and give your life to those you hate, or that, those who hate you, excuse me, and you'll be buried then in a tomb, in a borrowed one, and three days later, some women will come and check on the tomb, and the stone won't be in its proper place, and neither will you, son, because you will be raised from the dead. You will fulfill the perfect and final sacrifice for the sins of the whole world because you loved so much. Can you imagine the divine counsel that behind scenes, God says to Jesus, are you up for that, son? Are you willing to do that? Jesus weighs it all. He's taking in, counts the cost, swallows hard, and takes a deep breath and says, yes, I am. It would give me pleasure. The Holy Spirit speaks up. Hey, guys, 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 guys. Remember, I'm over here. Uh, Jesus says, oh, I didn't, I didn't see you. Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. I get left out. The Holy Spirit says, I get left out all the time. It's always the Father, the Son, the Father, the Son, the Father, the Son. Everybody forgets about me. But Jesus, don't forget to tell them about me. Jesus said, oh, of course I will. I will, I will look at them and tell them clearly that I've kept, that, that if they've loved me and kept my commands, I'll ask the Father and he will give another advocate to help you. He will be with you forever. The spirit of truth, Emmanuel, God with us, will be with us forever. And Jesus says, I know, I need to remind them that even when I go away, the Spirit will come and dwell within them. But when I leave, I'm going to tell them to do what I promised, the commitment I've made. That I want them to commit to me to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And then I will tell them this, Dad. I will tell them I am always with you to the very end. 
because that's who we are. We will be the word made flesh. I am Emmanuel, God with them. I will tell them we won't leave them. We won't forsake them. Even when they hate us, we'll continue loving them. Even when they turn away, we'll continue to pursue them. God, again, looks at Jesus. Are you really up for this? Jesus says, yes, I'm up for this. So Jesus, tell me what your mission is. Let's make sure it's really clear. My mission is to seek and save the lost. My mission is to rescue those who are dead in their sins. I'm gonna bring and give them life and life more abundantly. Oh, good. Good, Jesus, that is great. Who are you going for? I'm not going for the righteous because they've already received what they're gonna get. I'm going for the sinners. Those who are, who are already healthy, uh, they believe that they're taken care of. I'm here for the sick. Why are you going? Because they are sheep without a shepherd. They need a shepherd, and I am the good shepherd who will lay down his life for the sheep. We can't shout our love from heaven. We have to show our love on earth. And I will go and show them how good you are. I'll show them how much love you have for them, Father. I'll show them that love isn't something that you do, but love is something that you are. It is your essence. It is your being, Emmanuel, God with us. That's, can you imagine the conversation? Matthew 1, again, we started there through the series. Let's hear it again in the context. And she will have a son and you will give him the name of Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message to the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will always be with you. His spirit dwells inside of you. When you're lost, he is your guide. When you're you're all alone, he is your companion. When you're hurting, he is the one that's with you as a comforter. When you're afraid, he is your peace. When you're sick, he is your healer. When you're weak, he is your strength. And when you're dead and lost in your sins, he is your savior and your life. He is Emmanuel, come to save his people from their sins. And and that's the way, that's the way. That's what I'll tell my grandchild. The good news of a great joy for all people that God didn't just shout his news from heaven, but he came to earth and was willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice so we you and me could know how good he is and who he is Emmanuel the God with us oh it's a beautiful beautiful gift we celebrate the incarnation let's pray father I pray today that your spirit would draw draw us close to you as we draw Draw us close to you as you draw close to us. Father, I I know that there 
are people in need in this gathering. There are those who are going through storms and those who are going through celebrations. But each of us need your goodness. But I especially pray for those who are hurting right now. I ask that you would be present in a way that only you can. That you would offer your supernatural peace, God, from the Prince of Peace that goes beyond our human ability to even understand or explain that you would guard our hearts and our minds and our souls in Christ Jesus. Pray, Lord, that for those who are desperate, those who feel alone, those who feel afraid, those who are facing stresses of many different kinds, that they would sense and know the power of your Holy Spirit and experience your presence. Because it's in your presence that we find hope, Father. It's in your presence that we find healing. It's in your presence that we find forgiveness. We find grace. We find truth. We find heavenly peace beyond anything this world offers. God, show us your goodness. Show us this Christmas that you are always with us. Jesus comes to those who desire to to know him. Maybe this Christmas you have yet to say yes to Jesus, to walk with him, to know him, to know his peace, know his healing, know his forgiveness. If that's you, pray this, this simple, but pray this sincere prayer from your heart, telling God, that you want to walk with him as he has desired to be with you. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy, grace, and love found in and through Jesus. Save me and forgive me for my sins. I give you my life and choose to follow love and live for you in Jesus' name. Father, we're grateful. We're grateful for the goodness of your son, Jesus Coming as a baby, we celebrate in this season, but knowing and realizing that he died for us as our Savior, our Messiah, to forgive us our sins and to, Father, give us life eternal with you. A hope that starts now and extends forever. We are grateful this morning. So Lord, lead us as we come to your table this morning for communion as a perpetual reminder of your goodness to us who choose to follow you.